Well, we're in the book of Psalms. We're in the book of Psalms and we're at Psalm 66 this morning as we get a word from our sponsor. Psalm 66 to the chief musician, a song, a psalm. Now remember that Psalm 65 through 68 are going to focus on giving God the praise for he is the provider of all things, first and foremost, and his abundant blessings are upon the nation of Israel. And that is really, really crucial as well as we now live in a society where replacement theology, if you're not familiar with that, you better become familiar with that, where the church has replaced Israel. And this is not new theology. If you do a little bit of study, this was happening in the early 100s already. Or the early, yeah, in the early 100s. Replaced, the church has replaced the Jews. I just saw a phenomenal video on it. It's unbelievable. And so, as we're going to see here, we're going to see three groups of people in Psalm 66. So verses 1 through 7, they speak of the Gentile nations. This is just kind of a little breakdown of this particular psalm. So, uh, verses 8 through 12 speak to the nation of Israel. And verses 13 through 20 speak to the individual or of the individual. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning, and again, we continue in our worship of you by opening your word. This is your word. We thank you for inspiring men to write it, but this is this is your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you, and we need more of your Holy Spirit to grow and to understand. I pray for the gift of teaching. We're not here to build a church. We're not here to build a denomination. We're here to become more like your son. So Father, help us to lay aside worldly thoughts and political thoughts and help us to realize that there are people going to hell and our country is poking you in the eye and then after a disaster well god bless america how can you bless a country that's doing what we're doing it's impossible it goes against your nature and it goes against your word so Lord, we don't ask for a blessing we ask for judgment Bring judgment upon this country that people might wake up and look up and realize they need to repent and get right with you. For your son, Jesus, he is coming back so soon. The birth pains are getting so close together. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Verses 1 through 7. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Notice the Gentile nations. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. And as you notice, the word you is capitalized. So it's very specific to God the Father. And they shall sing praises to your name, Selah. And again, if you're newer visiting, that word is a just it's believed to be a musical term for pause. Also, it's also in, in specific to the Psalms. Think about it. Think about what was just said. Pause and think about what was just said. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. 
There we will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. You see, the psalmist here invites the nations, the Gentile nations, to come and see God's power over creation. But he only needs to mention one miraculous situation in the history of Israel to make his point. And to this day, people mock this. We've actually had people, even on our tour to Israel, one of the guides insinuated that the children of Israel marched through the Sea of Reeds, not the Red Sea. Now, if you don't know the Bible, let me explain that to you. The Sea of Reeds is a very shallow sea. And so it would be very easy for anyone to walk through the Sea of Reeds, thus negating the miracle that took place. Well, it's no miracle. They just walked through the Sea of Reeds. It's no big deal. No, it was the Red Sea as the waters were parted. Up to three million Israelites crossed through the Red Sea. And as Pharaoh, you'll remember Charlton Heston and the other guy cruising through. And as Pharaoh and his armies were going into the Red Sea, it came crashing in upon him, making it an incredible miracle. It was a miracle. But he only needs to mention this one because in that day and age, everybody knew that happened. There was no debate. Oh, it was the Sea of Reeds. Okay, let's just say it is a sea of reeds. That's even a bigger miracle. Because all of Pharaoh's chariots got stuck in a foot of water, and then they all got off their chariots and sucked in the ocean, or sucked in the sea to die, to drown. That's even more of a miracle if that's what you want to go with. I mean, you think it's foolish what we believe. You're really foolish. Just stick with the word of God. You see, specifically, it was the exodus from Egypt by God's mighty hand that delivered the Israelites out of bondage. It wasn't the army of Israel. They didn't even have an army by this point. But only through God's mighty hand. And it's so important for us to remember that. You see, the Israelites were supposed to be a witness to the Gentiles. They were the ones who had the word of God in their possession. Even to this day, as we go over to Israel, you will see Orthodox Jews. If you go to certain areas in America, you will see Orthodox Jews. And they hate. I know it's a very strong word. But this is reality. They hate the Gentiles. And so if you're not a Jew, they hate you. And you, in their mind are logs for the fire of hell. That's all you are. And so they don't try to reach out to you, most of them. They could care less about you. That's not found in the word of God. Matter of fact, if you're reading from Genesis to Revelation, if you've been reading, it says over and over and over again, in the Old Testament, in the first five books of the law, the strangers that are with you, in other words, they're not believers. They're not Jews. The strangers that are with you, you're to treat them with love and respect and honor them. If they want to celebrate the Passover with you, you're to welcome them in. You're to encourage them. You're to just love on them. It's just good luck. I went to an Orthodox Jewish wedding. It was the seventh day of the wedding in Israel, just by chance, happened to be there. And so I was invited to it. When I went to the house, they were all eating on fine china. I got handed a paper plate with plastic utensils. I, I knew. I mean, it was no big deal to me. I just smiled. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. This food is really good. Praise God. 
I'm not, you know, I'm not making their plates unclean. But this is religion. And so if you're here this morning trying to be religious, you know, forget it. Forget it. God doesn't care about your religiosity. He's concerned about your heart. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? You see, they were the ones who had received instructions on how to worship God, on how to love one another, how to live with each other. At least in this psalm, we see the psalmist doing what the nation of Israel should have been doing all along, pointing the Gentiles to God. Now, as we think about the exodus from Egypt, we can compare it to communion for the Christian, even as we celebrate this morning. You see, when we celebrate communion, we acknowledge our deliverance from sin or the power of sin over us as believers. The Jews to this day celebrate Passover, the Exodus, to acknowledge their deliverance from Egypt. So the psalmist says, come and see the ability of our God to deliver. Come and see, you Gentiles. He's reaching out to the unbeliever. Come and see the God that we serve. And you know, even as you look at that statement, it's simple enough. Yet how often did the nation forget that simple message? The Israelites would go back to their flesh over and over again and try to deliver themselves out of their own troubles. So as we point the finger to the Israelites, we need to point the finger to ourselves as well because how often do we forget the simple message of the cross? That in the cross there is power. You see, believers as well often go back to the flesh and try to deliver themselves. It never works. Rather, we need to stay focused on what the psalmist shares next in verses 8 through 12. Oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow, allow our feet to be moved. Notice it meant from the Gentile nations to now us, our nation, the Israel, Israelite nation. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. I'm sure most of you know this, but the way silver was refined then is they would put the silver in a pot and they would heat the pot and heat the pot and heat the pot. And the dross, the impurities would come to the surface and they would skim off the impurities. And then they would heat the silver and heat the silver and skim off the impurities. And it is believed they knew the silver was pure when they could look into the pot and see their reflection. It's interesting when you think of Christians. We should never have any problems, should we? Turn on the Christian fiction channel. We should never have any problems. You should never have any illnesses. You should never be short of money. You should never this, never. Get into the Word of God, as you're going to see in a few moments. The Word of God is, is totally different than the Christian fiction channel. Where was I? You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Now the psalmist is speaking to the Jewish nation. And he points to the fact that God had brought them through other various trials and tribulations. The first one he references in verses 1 through 7, coming out of Egypt. 
Now he references there at the very end of verse 12 there. You've brought us through other situations as well. You see, these were hard times, yet God took care of his people and brought them through it all. And if anyone should have been able to bless God, it should have been the nation of Israel for everything that God had done for them over the years. It should have been. You see, God had been there for them consistently, and when they sought after him, they found him. You see, God figuratively used his own hands to shape them into a vessel worthy of use. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. And if you're newer visiting... We encourage you to be following along. Grab a Bible. Grab a Bible. And they always put a slide up so that you can find the chapters, the book and the chapters. Because unfortunately, Christians, most Christians are unfamiliar with the Bible. So we've made it easier and we've given you a Bible app. So now you don't even have to think or know your Bible. Until your phone crashes and then you're going to be incapacitated. Where is it in my Bible? So get used to your Bible. Use your phone extracurricular. Get used to your Bible first and foremost. Jeremiah 18.1 The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Notice that. He threw a lump of clay on the wheel, the wheel spinning. He shaped it. There was a blemish. There was something that was wrong with it. So he implodes the clay and he starts all over again. The potter making a pot. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Notice the capital M. If you don't have a capital M, get rid of that Bible. Capital M, my hand, God's hand, God's hand. Well, let's look at Philippians. Let's look at Philippians. How about the believer? How about the believer? Philippians 2, 12 through 13. You see, when you're watching a potter make a pot, he gets aggressive. And for us as believers, when we go through hard times, we go, God, where are you? God, why are you letting this happen to me? Because you need to grow. Because you need to mature. Because you need to become more like my son, Jesus. And this is going to help you do that. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) It's so funny being a pastor, how people act differently when you come into a room. It's just so funny. It's like, the pastor's here. What, were you doing something wrong? What's the problem? Am I walking on air? Do I got a halo around? What, what's the big deal? I go to the bathroom just like you do. Put my pants on just like you do. It's amazing. 
the, you know, the church at Philippi, you know what, Paul, you're not around, we're still going to act like Jesus. We don't need you to be here to act like Jesus. But Paul goes on to say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Cults love to use this verse. Say, see, you've got to work out your salvation. It's not a free gift. I'm not a Greek scholar. Just get a couple books. And when you look up that, those words, it means to fashion, to render fit. To fashion, to render fit. In other words, you're the clay, you're on the wheel, you're spinning. Let God work out your salvation. How do I know that? Just read your Bible. It's amazing what the next verse says. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's easy to debunk the cults. Just read your Bible. Don't take one verse out of context. Read verses before, read verses after, and it's it's quite simple. And so even as we are that clay, God gives us free will. You don't will. You don't want to be on the wheel? Get off the wheel. Have it your way. See how you do. See how that pot works out. And then we get marred, we get broken, things happen to us, and we say, Well, where's God? Uh, in heaven, on his throne, waiting for you, waiting for me to repent. Waiting for you, waiting for me to get back on the wheel. Waiting for you as we even sang this morning. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it was that word was in there. It's that nasty S word. It's not a four-letter word. It's that nasty S word. You guys know what that S word is? Really, it's bad. S-U-R-R-E-N-D. Oh, that's a bad word. That means i got to get back on the wheel. That means i got to let God press me. And mold me and shape me and br- allow things into my life that, that bug me, that bother me, that cause me pain, that give me anxiety so that I might learn to turn to him to take away that anxiety, to, to learn to live amongst the pain and be an example for others who haven't arrived there yet or maybe are going through pain themselves. How God has given me strength to endure this as you're going to see as we continue on this, the scriptures. How about 2 Timothy chapter 2? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's final letter. 2 Timothy 2.20 but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. Now, now to me, other people interpret this different ways, but to me, I go back to a rabbi. And Jesus, oftentimes as you read the scriptures, he would use a physical analogy to teach a spiritual principle. And as you read it, you'll see that over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. And that's what every good rabbi would do. They would draw the person in with a physical analogy and I encourage you, if you're having a debate with somebody, or if you're trying to reach someone, not even a date, but you're just trying to reach someone, start asking them questions about what they do. And as you're progressing in your testimony or sharing the gospel, you can kind of say, well, you're a mechanic. How does a mechanic fix a car if you don't have any tools? Uh, I, I guess I couldn't. Well, that's like a believer trying to grow without reading his Bible. Because you tell, you just told me you don't need to read your Bible. You need your tools, don't you, for your, to fix cars? Well, yeah. You see, you just use a physical analogy to teach a spiritual principle. And so that's what I believe Paul is doing here. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, 
but also wood and hay. To us, if we came into, some of us came into your house, you'd have the, the china set. Oh, that's grandma's china set. Or that's my mom's china set. Or that's, you know, oh no, we don't touch that. That's the fine china. But you also have styrofoam and paper cups and, and, you know, oh, we could throw that out. We could chuck that. Oh, it fell on the floor. No big deal. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, so now he teaches a spiritual principle within us. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, what does Corinthians tell us? That we're going to have gold, silver, precious stones. We're going to have hay, wood, and stubble. And the fire is going to determine those treasures, those rewards that we're going to have in eternity with God. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. A vessel for honor. Not for self-righteousness. Look at me, look at me. No, that means you're going to be a vessel for honor to be used by God in the workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family members. It may take decades. Notice what it says, sanctified. That's that washing process from the time of justification to the time of glorification. There's that time of sanctification. That washing process and useful for the master prepared for every good work because we're on the wheel and we're spinning and it's uncomfortable, but we're looking to God. God's saying, okay, let me work that out just a little bit. Let me just touch that a little bit. I got good hands, soft hands, loving hands. Yeah, let me just knock that curve off a little bit. Do it this way a little bit. And all of a sudden somebody crosses our path and we go, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. And they go, you do? And you're sincerely able to do that because you allowed God to do that back there. You are now ready today. But if, but as we don't do that, we just go whining and complaining day after day after day and somebody comes to you and they look at you like I'm sucking on lemons. Oh, you're a Christian. Is there anybody else that I could talk to? Because it doesn't look like you have anything to offer me. That's reality. That's reality. Every good work. Are you allowing God to prepare you for every good work? Or are you just cruising through Christianity? I retired. I got 20 years in in Christianity. I retired. Really? Man, where is that in the scriptures? I'd like to find that. 20 year pension. Full benefits. I can now live in the flesh. Isaiah 64, 8. You don't need to turn there. We're just going to throw up the slide for the sake of time. If you would turn back to Psalm 66. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Can you say that? Write that verse down. If you can't say that, I mean sincerely, then you need to pray today. You probably need to repent today. Say, God, I'm sorry about playing church. I need to be like Jesus. I need to be more like your son. Verses 13 through 15, Psalm 66. Now to the individual. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows. With my lips have uttered which... My lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. Notice that, when I was in trouble. 
I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals with the sweet aroma of rams. I will offer bulls with goats. Selah. Come and hear all you who fear God and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth and he is extolled with my tongue. And he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Because of God, blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Now because of these things, the psalmist commits to fulfilling what he had pledged to God. You see, it wasn't out of duty or debt but rather out of devotion that this took place. And this is very important. Even as we offer our financial gifts to the Lord. And don't worry, I'm not going off on a teaching of that. But that's one thing that so many people get so hung up about church is money. And you'll notice that we don't, we pray over our our gifts. And we have boxes where you can give. It's up to you and the Lord. But personally, again, it wasn't out of debt or duty in verses 13 through 15, but it was out of devotion that this took place. You see, the psalmist's relationship with God was internal, but it was also external. You see, he was willing to go before his fellow brothers and sisters and offer up to God the necessary sacrifices. And notice what took place at the end of verse 14 there, when I was in trouble. And my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. You know, obviously we should call out to God in our time of troubles. Just make sure that you follow through on those promises <laughs> made during those troubles. Like, I'll read my Bible more, God, if you just help me. I'll spend more time serving you if you just help me. I'll, I'll, you know, fill in the blank if you just help me. You see, no, the psalmist was in trouble and he was fulfilling his promise of praise and worship at the t- tabernacle. And then in verses 16 through 20, it's personal testimony time. And I just want to ask you, are you able to do that? There's a slide. Have you allowed God to take you through the trials, to carry you through the tribulations, so that you might refine your own personal testimony? What is your personal testimony? If I or someone else came up to you and said, what is your personal testimony? You should be able to share it within two to three minutes, your own personal testimony. If you can't, get busy working on it. Because you might only have two or three minutes at a Circle K or a Walmart or at the workplace or in the neighborhood. And you've got to be able to do that quickly and efficiently. And then if the Lord allows you to expand that and get more time, great. But can you at least share the gospel and share your testimony in two to three minutes? Can you do that? I challenge you this week to do that. Get that down. Because that's most of the time, that's all we have time for. You see, God has worked in so many biblical characters. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. We've seen that over and over again in our studies. And what we forget, because we elevate the Bible characters, is that he is still at work today with those who will allow him that opportunity. And most obviously, the last few weeks, uh, Billy Graham. But again, you will find so many people in the church elevating Billy Graham. And like, well, I could never be like Billy Graham. Well, I don't think anybody asked you to do that. If you're going to a Bible-believing church, I would venture to say the pastor is saying, be like Jesus. And whatever Jesus calls you to do, 
then do that with all of your might, as Billy Graham did with the calling of evangelism, which he wrote in his own handwriting. He sacrificed his family on the altar of ministry. He publicly acknowledged he made that mistake. So there is always balance. There is always balance. So don't elevate people. Look to Jesus. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. You won't find this in the Christian fiction channel. You glory in your tribulations. Paul, you're crazy. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I've been mentioning this the last few weeks, so I wanted to, to go over it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Because we're Christians, we should just be able to retire and cruise, and we live in America, nothing bad's going to happen to us, and you know we're going to have our money in the bank at all time. Um, nobody can touch our money. I have an attorney. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! 2 Corinthians 11. Are they Hebrews? So am I. This is Paul speaking. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers, in laborers more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. He had a prison ministry. In deaths often. From the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one, 39 lashes from his fellow Jews, five separate times. And some Christians whimper when somebody says something to them. Oh, you hurt my feelings. Let's go over and do a little bit of whipping. Let's grow up here. Three times I was beaten with rods. Doesn't that sound great? This really goes over well on the Christian Fiction Channel. You'll never hear some pastors with huge churches teach this. Never. No way. No way. Once I was stoned, and this was not with medicinal marijuana. This was literally with stones. He most likely died, according to the scriptures. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water. The word perils here means danger of death. In perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in the perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things... <laughs> what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? And who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 4 to see the end of the matter. Because some of us read that list and we go, wow, I could never do that. Well, if you're on the wheel, you'll be able to do it. If you're not on the wheel, no, you won't. Second Corinthians 4.16 the end of the matter. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. 
Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Even though we live in a culture where everything, I shouldn't say everything, where so much emphasis is placed on the outward appearance, especially for you females. Men, you could have a big old gut. No problem. You females, you better be slim and trim and perfect and get the right face on and hairstyle and blah, 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 blah. What a bunch of, it's nonsense. You're perishing, ladies. So are us guys. Look in the mirror. Get over it. Just accept it and say, but am I feeding the inward person? Am I feeding the inward person? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Or am I just consumed with putting on this face so that people will accept me on the outside? People that could care less about you. That's what it comes down to. Paul says, "Eh, whatever, it's fading. For our light affliction, Paul says, it's light. It's just light. The beatings, the shipwrecks, it's just light. It's no big deal. Which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul's eyes are on what? As the music team comes up. What What are Paul's eyes on? Heaven. Beat me. I'm going to heaven. Oh, you got rods today? Cool. Go ahead. Have at it. Oh, you want to give me 39 lashes? Fine. Fine. You can only do so much with this body. Oh, you're going to stone me. What a bummer. I'm going to die and go to heaven. Go ahead, stone me. And then he gets back up. I mean, this guy, he gives us the example of, you know, you're not going home until God calls you home. Just serve him with all of your might and allow God to be God. While we do not look at the things which are seen, Paul goes on to say, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. As you go out to your car, it's temporary. And you older saints, how many cars have you had in your lifetimes? Six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen? It's temporary. How many houses? How, how many clothes, refrigerators, washers, dryers? It's all going to burn. It's all temporary. As you're driving up to your house, it's going to burn. Thank you, God, for this house, because I only have it temporarily. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So as we look back in the psalm here, 19 and 20, but certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from him. You see, that's the question. Am I ready to look and receive what God has for me? Am I willing to look and receive what God has for me? Am I on the wheel? The psalmist talks to the Gentiles. The psalmist talks to the Israelites. The psalmist looks at himself. And that's what we need to do on a regular basis. Not just whine about everybody who's going to hell. Not just whine about the church. But whine about myself. And how can I be more like Jesus? And the whining will be turned into a prayer of thanks. That God, you're not done with me yet. Father, I thank you and praise you that you're not done with us. Unless we get off the wheel. Unless we just want to do it our own way. Then you'll you'll back off. You'll say fine. Do it your way. But Lord, I just thank you and praise you that you have loving hands, that you shape us and mold us as we surrender, as we surrender, as I surrender. 
You shape and mold my life. And that's uncomfortable. That doesn't feel good at times. It doesn't feel right. It it causes anxiety and even frustration and anger at times. But when I lift my eyes to heaven and remember that you're my loving heavenly father, my eyes get refocused and my heart gets recalibrated. And it's then that I am able to give you praise once again. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room this morning that's off the wheel. They just want to do it their own way. Lord, I pray that they would repent this morning. That they would come forward for prayer. That they would get right with you this morning. That they'd stop trying to do it their way. And just get back on that gracious wheel. You're such a gracious God. Lord, for those who have been strong, that we'd remain strong this week. That you would be glorified as we continue to allow us to allow you to shape us and mold us into your son's image. In Jesus' name. And Father, we also pray for the hundreds that are coming to the conference, the senior pastors, the assistant pastors, the music ministers, the Sunday school leaders, just all the various leaders that are going to be coming to that conference. Lord, we pray, fill us, fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray for, we pray for those who have been disheartened this past year, frustrated, battle fatigued. Father, they would find rest, that they would find encouragement, that they would find forgiveness if there needs to be extended, Lord, that they would realize that we all need to fight the good fight. We need to get up and move on. Lord, we thank you. And Claude and I thank you for this body, Lord. We've just been so privileged these 15 years to have such a loving body, a caring body, not just for us, but for all the staff and for our community and for the world. Lord, keep that love alive, keep it fresh, keep it just renewed, Lord, each and every day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? God bless you guys. We encourage you to come up for prayer. You know, don't leave. We have people up here that are going to pray for you, and you're not going to get that at your workplace. You don't show up tomorrow morning, the boss calls you in the office, hey, how can I pray for you today? Uh, That's not going to happen, I don't think. If it does, praise God. But uh, most likely not. So we encourage you to come up and be blessed this morning through prayer. God bless you guys.